morning show. Good morning, show. Morning, show. Morning, show. Morning, show. What's crapping in mind, freaks? Welcome to A Little Spot of Toast, the Great Sheet Morning Show, with me, Haas Bossman. Got a couple of fantastic chats to share with you today, mostly centered around knowledge fight, shows and, and works like it, and what makes them so effective as political communication which is a euphemism for propaganda, yes, but since propaganda has such a negative connotation, a euphemism is necessary when we're talking about good propaganda, which Knowledge Fight is. Well, I would argue that it falls more under the category of like journalism, anthropology, something like that, but you know, there is a propagandistic element to it. You know, denotation, connotation, you know, are you being brainwashed, indoctrinated, or educated? Eye of the beholder kind of crap. We really are going to get right into this episode because it is late. I'll just say that Lil Nas X's Old Town Road is a great example of non-political art serving as a political statement. What with how it reached the top of the country charts when it first came out. A bunch of people complained because they're racist against hip-hop, I guess. Turd in the, in the graveyard. Billy Ray Cyrus had to come out of retirement to validate it in the eyes of a lot of country fans. God bless America. Actually, I don't know if he was actually retired. That might be the most offensive thing I say all week. I actually think they took it off the country music charts until Billy Ray swooped in and saved the day. Of course, Lil Nas X has really made a political statement with the way he's presented himself and his music and putting his queerness right out on Front Street like ever since then. So Lil Nas X, low key, political as hell. It almost doesn't matter what the music is like, you know, it's just if you're breaking those norms and showing people a way to be that goes against the status quo or the mainstream or tradition or whatever, then that's a political act. I just meant to bring that up when Bess, my first interview subject and, and new policy wonk friend, I'm going to call her, definitely friend of the show, but when she brought up Lil Nas X, I uh, meant to say something like that, and I forgot to because we got sidetracked. Well, it is 6.50 p.m. on Sunday, so tomorrow is my release date, the fourth Monday of every month. Um, I meant to have the Jordan episode out tomorrow and do this one like a week ago, but hey, I'm, I'm at least one doing one a month, and uh, it's a lot of work. It's actually in Revelations, actually. I don't know, y'all. I don't have time to do all this crap. It's like I gotta pick something i want to do all of it like be able to do youtube and make music and make the podcast um but i've got to do peel back one of those things or something i gotta figure some crap out anyway uh so that's why i'm gonna shut up right now and uh make this a short intro so i have less stuff to edit I'm going to make one theme song for both guests, like one for the two of them, and try to save time. Uh, I have not even started on their theme song yet, but I've done both the interviews, so that's something accomplished. And I have some stuff in my brain to draw from to get the right vibe. I will be back soon with the long-awaited return of Mr. Jordan Holmes of Knowledge Fight fame. I may release that sooner than a month from now, actually, since my school's spring break is coming up next week. And I'm going to try to get a lot of content made during that week off. I really don't take any time off. Every spare second I have is devoted to making this stuff and trying to grow the audience. So rate and review this podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Bossman. Share my crap with people and support me on patreon.com at patreon.com slash Haas underscore Bossman. Find all my mini craps I make at www.haas.fun. For all your Haas needs. Here is the combo Dennis Gorman best wonkton theme song. I am calling it, um... Hey there, what's what's going on with you? Uh, I'm going to call it Bess and Dennis are policy wonks. 
That's the title and the lyrics. Work smarter, not harder. Policy Wonkton. Always nice to meet. Always nice to meet. Always nice to meet. Another policy one. Always nice to meet. Always nice to meet. Always nice to meet. Another policy one. Another policy one. Always nice to meet. Another policy one. Hell yeah. Like I said in the message, the main thing I'm like interested in, like getting some thoughts from knowledge fight folks on or policy wonks on, is like what is it that you think makes um knowledge fight such an effective piece of um political communication and if it helps at all with like sort of the the idea i guess i'm like kind of trying to get at or you know talk about is like the role that comedy but also kind of art in general plays in affecting real world political change or you know communicating political messages in your opinion what is it that you think makes knowledge fight so uh, effective. I mean, first of all, just the the honesty with which Dan and Jordan approach everything. That they are uh, they're out there to to be the opposite of Alex. They are there to spread truth and to really dig in. It's like every episode is a deep dive, and so much of our political discourse is surface level. And I I really love hearing just the the truth and the truth that is well researched from you know guys who are are just they're honest they are straightforward their their agenda is not harmful their agenda is is to be helpful you know rather than stirring up the violence that that Alex does or other you know propagandists you could include uh, Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro Daily Wire people um, who are really stirring up violence and hatred there is a there is a truth and a love and um, you know for for all the joking that we do about being a soft yes on white genocide and such <laughs> there is um, there's a there's a real love and a real community that's come up around knowledge fight as well. Case in point, right? Yeah. I've made some good friends, you know, just because we like this stuff together. And and you know, I being being disabled and mostly homebound, I I I feel like it's a way to to reach out and you know, affect some change. Yeah, like um helping like foster a community that kind of grew up around um you know i guess like like-minded people finding each other that really grew up around a show that is all about um and you know maybe just the uh the attitude and the the worldview that goes into the show that's um that where the guys are always like oriented around being like ethical respectful mm-hmm. like even of the people the, these fools that they're like ridiculing and stuff like of course you know that's a little more uh being measured is kind of more Dan's area, but, um, you know, Jordan, even though like he, you know, goes is over the top a lot of the time, like it's always very obviously still kind of like based and coming from a place of like empathy and love. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought to, uh, to reach out to some knowledge fight fans when, uh, I was, I interviewed 
Jordan um, a month ago, maybe. And I was I, I felt like I was like buttering him up too much. Like I was I, I kept prefacing every question with and, you know, I'm a huge fan. So that's and I've been uh, interviewing people of like varying levels of like, you know, people I admire or people who are like famous in some way for a long time. It used to be like an entertainment writer. And I still nerd out uh, when I, you know, meet or, you know, get to talk to somebody who I like admire. But uh, and I don't think that's like ever going to go away. But I, I was like reminded of, um, do you know that YouTuber Coffeezilla? Have you ever seen any of his yes. videos? Yes, I do like Coffeezilla. <laughs> Coffeezilla is awesome. He's He's got a really good, um, like I, I think the way that he sort of grills people and interviews people is like, that, that is the way our journalists should actually be. Like not letting people get off the mm -hmm. hook, you know. He's and really that's why good. I love Jon Stewart and, mm -hmm. and um you know the the people who've done the daily show and um and and who've come out of that you know colbert and john oliver samantha b these are all people who who dig in deep and they they expect people and they demand that people answer their questions and just getting that you know beyond the i don't want to say politically correct because i think that's that's not used in in the right way um there, there is a uh, there's an element of of letting people go and not not answer your questions that is um, prevalent in the debate sphere and in um, and then you know oftentimes when people are do demand answers you get a lot of ugliness but I think there's a there's a real passion and and love in all that uh, Dan and Jordan do and in the in the community as well you know we we all watched the trial together we we were all there saying you know how much we loved the people who were who were really fighting back against Alex all the Sandy Hook um, parents and and um, children and friends and the we're missing a lot of that that both the empathy and the accountability that I think really belong in in our, our as a big part of our human experience. I, I came to knowledge fight through behind the bastards, and I think they do similar things there. And I always love it when there's when those worlds intersect. Mm, um, yeah. Two of my favorite podcasts, just getting together and and diving deep and ha holding people accountable. Were you a uh, um, cracked reader back in the yes. day? Or, okay. Yes. So do you do you listen to like Daily Zeitgeist? Kind of keep up with what all those folks are doing i keep up with uh some more news mm. um although i i haven't uh, i haven't delved into some more news in a couple of months like i have been feeling like doing that recently um it, it's pretty it, like uh it, not that it's like heavy and this it's just like they go into a lot of detail and it's you got to be ready to be like just hit with a whole bunch of like bad information all all at once oh yeah this is it's a lot of what i do is get get battered by the bad information while i make stuff for foster kids and oh. <laughs> i do i do a lot of crafting um i think there is a there's a an element of um an, another element of the community building that we get with knowledge fight is that a lot of us just do what we can for the people around us and if I can do that while I'm listening to Knowledge Fight, Behind the Bastards, all of those other wonderful things, um, makes it feel like like 
we can actually change things. Yeah, that I, that was very uh, beautifully put. I um the I, I got a little sidetracked. I'm kind of glad I did though because you just the. That's comment... okay. I've got the the ADHD brain is running, so oh, yeah. I I will get off topic as well. <laughs> well, I do too. But actually, I'm glad I got sidetracked because what you you're kind of commenting on my sidetrack there was how you wound up at that beautiful point. But um the reason I brought up Copyzilla was um. Because uh, there was there was just this interview I heard with him recently. He was being interviewed by somebody, and um and I I had seen this video. They brought up this uh, when he was on some podcast with some kind of right wing or you know one of those people. They uh, asked him at the end in the interview, uh, "Do you have any?" And I think I brought this up with Jordan too. Do you have any advice for like young people out there? And if you're used to watching like if you like Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, Oof. like all those people, like if you ask them that question, do you have any advice for young people out there? They'd be like, oh, yeah. And, you know, they would just jump right on it and they would just be like so confident about giving about his reaction to that question was like, I think just really telling about just the type of person he is. He was just like. Uh, I don't know advice to young people I can't like that's I, I wouldn't presume to it was that sort of reaction which is like mm -hmm. what I think somebody who is responsible with information and with their platform like that is how you should react to something like that and um, that's I think exactly how like Dan or Jordan would react to that and, mm -hmm. and a lot of those the people in, in that world and um, you know you bring up uh, Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan and there's um, there's such an opposite of that when you're looking at uh, Dan and Jordan, and when you look at the the a lot of the the men and mask aligned people within the, um, the knowledge fight communities, there's this wholesome masculinity that says, um, you know, we've we've got our drink the respect women juice. We've got our um, being there for trans community gay community and got behind me i've got my my various flags but um you know i i feel like in in a lot of those conservative spaces i used to be conservative i grew up in a sort of um, moderate conservative town which has now moved left thanks be to powers um <laughs> we uh we're moving we're moving leftward here but um nice there was this there, there's a lot of toxicity in um in those conservative communities and i think in a in a leftist space like you know like go home and tell your mother you're brilliant and uh, all of our, our various places um there's a again compassion empathy um building a community of people who are different um and and just wholesomeness in within the within the the strangeness of this world that we have all decided to spend a good chunk of time in. Um, you know, we've got, we had the dreamy creamy summer fundraiser and, um, you know, Ross Hawkman does his, his cool, um, designs to raise money for, um, trans, uh, trans pride things in, in the South where, where they are very angry about things like that. And, you know, we're, we're here just, to, we're doing our best. And I, I try to try to be like Dan and Jordan. I try to have that passion that Jordan has. And I try to dig deep like Dan does. And yeah, I think just following, you know, following the, the example that these guys set, 
even if they don't know how to express it as advice for, uh, you know, distilled into a couple of sentences, we can, we can look at them and say, this is a person that I would like to, to, to emulate. Um, and this is a, a pattern I would like to emulate. You know, I, I used to teach. Um, and I think that this is something if I were still teaching, I would I would tell my students, go listen to these podcasts, go go look at how people dive into the depths of anger and find something to learn and a way to love people. Um, what, yeah. what subject did you teach? I taught so many things. I taught uh, I taught English. I taught ESL. I, I trained to be a French teacher. Um, I ended up also teaching computer and arts and crafts and uh, a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I have taught many things. It's probably harder to find an op a job opening for a like French teacher because there's usually only like one or two of them at every. School, oh, I had right? a, I had a yeah. I was the only French teacher at my school in in Providence, Rhode Island, and I loved it. I loved it till my body wouldn't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, is uh, is that the part of the uh, the country that you're in and from yep. the, the northeast? Yep. I am in I am in and from Rhode Island. Um, I, I mean, I was born a little outside Chicago, but I grew up here. Go Cubs, go! You know, so I one of the things I do a lot is talk about like political music. Um, I'm you know I'm a songwriter from way. Oh, I'm also a teacher oh, cool. by the way. I, I teach. Uh, awesome. I teach high school English. Yeah, I it's a uh, valuable, uh, very important thing to teach. Uh, I so you know, I've, uh, written a lot of uh songs, and I, I, I was I've always been really into like political punk music and other genres too, but like I uh, so that I recently over the past couple of years started like doing video essays and stuff about um political songs, and I and one of the things I want to start doing is having more guests on here to sp talk about like specific songs and stuff, but. Um, I, uh, one, a topic that's like been kind of coming up a lot with that is like, what is it that, um, what's the difference between a good political song and a bad political song? Um, Ooh. and that, and kind of more broadly speaking, like whenever I've asked people, um, about their, like what kind of political music they like, uh, an, an example I always bring up is, um, Chris Crofton, who is a frequent guest on the Daily Zeitgeist, if you listen to that, so kind of connected to that world there. But he uh, he said, when I asked him about political music he liked, he was like, I don't know, Prince? Is Prince political? Ooh. It was kind of like, I guess Prince kind of is, you know, Prince political just by virtue of being Prince, right? Like, if you, um, like, you know, RuPaul was ru political, yeah. just didn't have to make any sort of explicit statement, you know? And asterisk, I know. RuPaul is very much alive and still doing cool things. I just spoke about him in the past tense because I was thinking of how much of a statement she was making by being who he is. I'm switching up the pronouns because RuPaul once said, You can call me he. You can call me she. You can call me Regis and Kathy Lee. I don't care. So, in honor of that sentiment, that, like old, I choose to uh, use um, both you know, he and she you know, in the same sentence when like referring to RuPaul, a.k.a. Um, Regis, and Kathy like Lee. It has a more, I don't know if it's more effective, but it, it's almost like it goes deeper than um, just getting you on like the surface level. If you sort of do like a lead by example more than like telling people how to be and and by sort of putting people into the like orienting 
people's like the a good positive productive way to think about things i think is something that the knowledge fight guys do really well i just said a bunch of crap uh do you have any thoughts on any of the jumbled stuff that i just said well if we're talking political music um i used to go to the newport folk festival every summer um nowadays i i can't even catch the tickets before they sell out but uh i i remember watching arlo guthrie my first uh first time going and um and then his his dad as well both arlo and woody guthrie their their music is just it hits my soul um pete seeger a lot of the the old union music and older country music and then there's some um there's some newer country as well that is not the raw raw Christo fascist stuff but you know you're uh lil nas x um there i've got a friend from my high school college or sorry not high school college i can talk uh <laughs> that'd be a funny name for like a fake college in a movie or something high school college. Would. high school college uh no my college choir um i have a friend willie carlisle who we haven't spoken in a long time but he he recently uh got some awards for his uh queer country music and um I think there are there are a lot of really great musicians who are making political points that aren't aren't maybe explicitly you you may not think of them as political. Well, like, like watching Lizzo um, perform with just the joy that she has in her big black body, and 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 getting that love out there. Um, you know, I, I recently started dating someone who's really into Indigo Girls and we were singing along to get that together. But um, political art, I think, hides pretty much anywhere you look and it can be it can be really stirring. It can be jingoistic and weird. It can be, um, you know, it can come from everywhere. Um, most of the art that I do isn't. Um, I guess explicitly political, but the reasons that I make what I do is, I guess, sort of a reflection of, of both my politics and my faith that we have to look out for each other. We have to we have to um, build community, and that's part of why I do what I do. I do a whole lot of fiber arts, um, knitting, crocheting, spinning, and it's all just to give you know, help someone else have, get a shot at life. Um, and I think that's sort of what, what we see in, in these, in these podcasts that we love and the media we love that there's fun to be had, there's joy to be had. And there's, uh, and we gotta, we gotta look out for each other and help each other. Well, I think again, beautifully said, uh, I guess, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Like I said, I got to release this tomorrow, so I uh, should probably not make it too long of a conversation, but I would like to have you, if you are a big fan of like folk music, um, that's something I don't really know a lot of people personally who are like really into like political folk music. So if, um, you, you know, you could be turning it over in your head, if you like 
think of a, a song that you would like to come on again and like discuss sometime by all means like feel free to reach out and uh, i'll do the same awesome um right. thanks thanks for you know having me on and thanks for doing what you're doing well thank you um i hope you have a wonderful uh rest of your sunday and uh, i will uh, talk to you soon all right you have a great one Wasn't that great? Now here's Dennis Gorman. We cannot give equal weight. We cannot give equal weight to a point of view that's batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. Batshit crazy. Batch crazy. Oh, you see uh, my dog in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Say hi, Mo. Hey. Um, you say you're a uh, sports writer, right? Yep. Sports writer for the Associated Press and Newsday and. Uh, the Toronto Star. So I, I work for a lot of places. Right on. Is that like kind of what you always wanted to do? Do you do you feel like you sort of like lucked out in getting to like just kind of focus on something you love all the time? Yeah, I mean, I, my dad made it pretty clear early on that I was not an athlete. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, at that point, it was just figure out how you're going to make money. Figure out what you're going to do with your life. Because he was like, I'm, I'm not going to prop you up when, you know, when he was 80 and I was whatever. So I always liked reading. I always liked writing. I always liked sports. And I figured, oh, well, I can, you know, sports journalism is probably the way to go. For sure. Yeah. That, I mean, you get to um, like write about something you love, you know, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love, you know, I, I kind of chose to be an English teacher is because I have such a like wide range of interests and you know you can sort of incorporate any of that into english class you can read and write about anything right sure absolutely i mean i think i probably love reading and writing more than i love sports and i really love sports <laughs> but you know i, I appreciate good read good writing and you know really good books and so just like so you know whenever i read something that's really good it's just like you know, it, 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 it doesn't have to be sports. It just it hits me the right way is uh, well, I guess we can kind of segue into um, talking about uh, knowledge fight, because the reason oh. uh, la ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Dennis Dennis Gorman, right? Gorman. Yep. Is that right? OK, um, this is Dennis Gorman, a uh, a policy wonk, a I don't know, maybe a technocrat, even a uh, a knowledge fight fan. Somebody I uh, met in the um, uh, the Facebook group. Go home and tell your mother you're brilliant. Uh, and uh, I just put a uh, message out there asking if anybody wanted to say some words on um, what they love about knowledge fight. And I'll give you like a little bit of a preface. I had uh, I had Jordan Holmes on like the fifth episode of my show or something like that uh so he was a lot of these like you know leftist or you know left-leaning creators out there are like super uh, helpful to smaller creators which is really nice and so yeah he came on the show and we did i actually split it into two episodes we talked for so long and um finally that was like two years ago and that was like one of the highest viewed or uh, downloaded episodes i'd ever had and um, I uh, and I think it was with good reason. It was a really good one. And um, he uh, and so I finally asked him to come back and he was, again, just like super responsive and a really nice guy. I asked him or I during the interview, I felt like I was buttering him up a little bit too much uh, talking about like 
the how ethical uh knowledge fight seems to be to me and i was just kind of what i had on my mind was like their their attitude and their their presentation of everything is so effective for so many different reasons and you as a journalist um maybe can uh speak to that in a unique way perhaps that like what is it that drew you to knowledge fight and what do you think it is that they do that uh makes their show and their message so effective uh i followed david bixon's bixon span on twitter and i want to say it, it was not this past january but the january before i guess january 2022 and he had mentioned, you know, that he listens to Knowledge Fight, and it's a, and it's a terrific podcast, and and the hosts, you know, cover Alex Jones. And living in the New York City tri-state area, you know, I'm relatively close, you know, to Connecticut. So, and not that Sandy Hook is my is in my backyard, but it's not all that far away. And so, and that story certainly resonates uh, here for New Yorkers because it's it's so close. So I figured, all right, I'll give it a listen. And I forget which episode it was. Hour and a half later, I was hooked. It was just Dan kind of breaking down Alex's arguments or Alex's talking points point by point and why there's such bullshit. Jordan, you know, his hysterical laughter, but also his righteous anger because let's be honest, Alex Jones has ruined a lot of lives and he's become fabulously wealthy doing it. And frankly, I don't think mainstream media has done a good enough job in covering an Alex Jones because, you know, and and we certainly learned this during the Trump era. We can't give both. We can't give equal weight to both sides. If one side says it's raining and the other side says, the sky is the sky is yellow. One side is legitimately fucking wrong, you know. And yeah. So, and we shouldn't say, well, you know, Alex Jones says the sky is yellow. No, that you know, we, we need to be able to point out this is a flat out lie. This never happened. Or, and the fact that they, you know, are willing to push that that they're that they're willing to push back on Alex's lies. That they're willing to criticize mainstream media i think is healthy and i think it's a positive i totally agree very well said i mean something that occurred to me just now their presentation of things sort of like has this it's not centrist it's almost like the what you mentioned there about like you know the media doesn't do a good enough job and that and that they i'm not sure, i can't remember exactly how you put it but that they will say like alex jones says this and then everyone else you know who's credible says this other thing right instead of like being clear about like where the misinformation is and stuff and what it kind of struck me that i'd never really thought of it this way that like all of that, you know, centrist sort of what people call it, like, you know, civility, I guess the word for it. And this this idea of like, we're going to be like overly objective NPR or maybe like CNN style. It's almost like the knowledge fight guys actually do what those mainstream sources who say they're trying to be objective are saying they're trying to do like they're calling it in a very objective way but when you actually do that 
it doesn't look like, you know, Republicans and Democrats, for instance, have like the exact same validity to their views. So does that does that make sense to you? Does that resonate with you at all? A- absolutely. Because and again, this, you know, in this this didn't start with Alex. I mean, go back to the Obama administration, go back even before that to like Glenn Beck, you know, they would someone would say something just is it all right if I curse? Sure. They would say something complete, incredibly fucking batshit crazy. And, you know, you know, the Washington report, you know, the Washington press corps, the whatever would say we're afraid as reporters and and editors and our publishers and they're are afraid of being labeled as, you know, as, as liberal. So we're going to give equal weight to both sides. And and, and we can't because it, it, it's not objective. What, what I think the problem was, especially during the Trump administration, we had far too many Washington reporters acting as stenographers. And I, I subscribe to a theory from Charlie Pierce of Esquire. He's a friend of mine for a long time. You know, he said, we cannot give equal weight to a, to a point of view that's batshit crazy. You know, if, you know, it's, it, it's, then, then what are we doing? And, and and I think that's right. So if so, yeah. When Alex says, you know, the globalists are coming to get us, it's like there, there's no proof of that. You know, all you're trying to do is, is scare people. And frankly, it, it's it's an old playbook. I'm I'm just I just started yesterday David Korn's book American Psychosis, and it's about how the Republican Party willingly, you know, fell into conspiracy theories, and you know. Chapter four was all about the John Birch Society and mm-hmm. and all the conspiracies that they put forth. And you know, before that was Joe McCarthy and all these people are just it, it, it's an old playbook, but it's effective. You know, you demonize someone who's different, whether they're Catholic, whether they're black, whether they're whatever. And you know, a lot of people have made a lot of money for many years doing this and they become very powerful but now the problem is the crazies have taken over the party and now it's being led by like the mtgs and the alex joneses it's like they they either find a a kernel of truth or some sort of like unknown that they can like latch on to and claim they have an explanation for that 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 tendency of it just seems like so many people nowadays this tendency of like well i don't understand something or i'm gonna be really really skeptical of stuff and it's like that's great to be skeptical but then they're so selective about it and yeah that's a very it's it's a huge like problem in our society right now that i feel like we we gotta like figure out yeah for sure and that's why I think this current Dominion lawsuit against Fox News, if Dominion is is successful, will be a positive writ large for the media industry because we can now we can make the argument we have to have a shared set of facts. We can't keep, you know, because right now we have frankly two Americas. We have a normal America and we have the America that listens to that watches Fox News, that watches OANN, that watches Newsmax, that you know, Alex you know, Jones, Al, Alex Jones, and Steven Crowder and all these complete lunatics and and it's it, it's splitting our country apart and I think on an intellectual level on a social level on a you know certainly an educational level and I do not think the nation can survive if we have 
multiple realities. Totally agree. And yeah, and I think that that is a, a huge like function that something like Knowledge Fight serves. And the fact that they're so ethical about it and that they really are like balanced, like in an appropriate way that actually like deals with reality. I just yeah, I think it's a very, very necessary for like educating people, even though it can be like a really silly kind of show. Right. And it's about a really stupid thing, which is Alex Jones. Right. But do you anything else you want to add about a knowledge fight? Anything, any like specific, you know, things that you learned from them or that you think they've done particularly well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, for sure, the formulaic objections are the to me are just the best episodes because they're you you hear these people almost in real time in the depositions, the Darias, the the Owen Schroyers, the Kit Danielses, and and you realize that these people are you know, it's not an act. These people are legitimately damaged human beings, and which is you know tragic on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, and but I think on the other hand, it's instructive. It's we need to be able to as a society teach people legitimate facts we need to be able to teach you know critical news gathering skills the news you know trying to think of the word here so like media literacy is what you know yes. I, I i teach exactly. high school so i uh, those are little <laughs> pieces of terminology i'm actually yes. doing right now like i'm working with the enrichment groups which is i'm i teach you know ninth grade english and we uh, since pandemic a bunch of kids all well, most of our kids are reading below grade level so we had this like initiative to get everybody up to grade level in ninth grade this year and all of the students who have made it to grade level or above, I'm like doing, you know, extra stuff, more challenging stuff with them. And uh, I started doing, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do a critical thinking unit for the rest of the year, basically, because like, I, that's something I've always, you know, if, if I could add one class to the high school curriculum in America, it would be like critical thinking, cognitive bias, logical fallacies, media literacy, something with those things incorporated. Yeah, and that's so important, you know, especially now with our media, media eco, ecosystem as fragmented as it is, we need to be, we as a society need to be able to differentiate between what is real news? What are facts? And what is crazy bullshit? And, you know, and so I think that's important, you know, and I also think, you know, going forward, we're going, we're, we as a nation are, are, and our political leaders are going to have to have a serious talks about expanding our, 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 our social safety nets, because you have people now in positions of power who are, you can make the argument are mentally unwell. The fact that they are serving in Congress, you know, or were the president of the United States should scare the shit out of everyone because they, these people do not belong anywhere near Capitol Hill in the White House or, or, or governor's mansion or, or mayor's office or, you know, in any, or in any position of authority. So, you know, we, 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 we need to protect the nation. Yeah. And, you know, that that you just kind of reminded me of like when Trump was first elected or maybe running up to the election, I just remember the only thing I could think to say to people whenever I would, you know, argue with somebody I went to high school on Facebook, like about, you know, Trump being an idiot or whatever. And it, it, it's just like 
look at him. I mean, and that's not like a body shaming, anything like that, or age or something. It's it's like, no, just like watch him just be a person and tell me that guy is fit to like lead anything. And, you know, the that right there was probably the like, you know, probably for most people in America, that was like when they really finally understood and it clicked that, yeah, there is we're sitting in the same I've heard this analogy from somebody, but sitting in the same movie theater watching completely different movies right now. Yeah. I mean, be honest, this is a man who ran casinos, which literally lost money. That that is incredibly hard, fucking hard to do, you know, but but then it also goes back to, I think, our media ecosystem, you know, especially here in New York, he was always someone who sold a lot of newspapers, whether it was the New York Post, New York Daily News, put him on the front page because he would say something completely outrageous, you know, mm-hmm. sells a ton of papers. Then, you know, then when he want, kind of relaunched after the early 90s bankruptcy and with with the apprentice and obviously the way he was portrayed big shot new york business tycoon billionaire you know and he's making all these decisions and you know that plays well to a certain subset of people you know and you know because it's you know well he knows what he's doing he's a billionaire he literally inherited his fortune from his father who Bill row houses in Queens and Brooklyn. You know, it wasn't like he he didn't earn it. He didn't. He just he just dumb lucked into it. But and then certainly if you go to the 2016 election in 15 and 16, what did the you know the cable networks do? They focused on him all the time. His stupid rallies, the speeches, because you know in, in a way it, it's 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 entertaining, right? You know he you don't know what he's going to say. He's going. to He's going to say something stupid. He's going to do his idiotic dance. He's going to make jokes and people are going to laugh and have a good time. But if you actually watched it with a critical eye and listened to what he was saying, he was putting forth fascist authoritarian ideas that should scare the shit out of everyone. When, when he's telling people, you know, to punch protesters in the face, you know, or that he's going to bomb other countries, like there's nothing about that that is quote unquote conservative. I mean, that's just, that's just him being an authoritarian thug. In the media industry, I think writ large needed to do a better job of saying this is this is an unwell man. This is a man who's positing ideas that are anti-American. That you know, all of us kind of having a sort of shared value system of any like in any capacity. There are some like non-negotiables in our society, right? There's like don't steal, don't kill, you know, sexual assault, and these kinds. Of, it's like. No matter what, where society is going to come out on the whole against those things, racism has kind of become that way, as in explicit racism has become yeah. that way, right? Like using the N-word is like kind of a non-negotiable in our society, right? I'm, I've been wondering, like, is there a way to like try to start pushing something into the direction of a non-negotiable, like some things, good things like cooperation, like if you don't want to like cooperate with the, your community or something like that, like that's like frowned upon in society as opposed, I mean, in America, you know, very individualistic, but we, so those, those sorts of ideas that, you know, civility and all the stuff that Trump disrupted, like in some ways, 
I think that it, it's like maybe the only kind of silver lining, some good that could come of it is like the idea of there's not just this one specific type of person who is can be president. Like I think up Trump kind of shattered this idea that you have to like behave in this very specific sort of like American, like ideal masculine sort of way. And, and you know, by acting like completely not like that and people's idea of what's acceptable might be evolving in a direction. And I guess we should be trying to make that mold that into a positive direction. I don't know. Sorry, I'll distract you because these goddamn dogs. No, but, but I think that's right because, you know, you look at what people thought was of as presidential pre-Trump. You know, you had to act in this, you know, you had to act like Obama. You had to act like Bush, you know, you know, Clinton for all of his moral failings. If he was on the world stage, you didn't say, you know, he's going to embarrass the country. Trump came in and shattered that. But now it, it's opened up the idea of, of the presidency. He's opened up Congress to a, to a place where, you know, an AOC can run for Congress and win, and Ilhan Omar. And, you know, you could think, you know, President a President AOC, you know, you could think of, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a fire, a, a quote unquote firebrand Democrat in the Senate, and I'm blanking on name, or like a Brian Chance, a John Fetterman. In the past, would John Fetterman get anywhere near Congress? No, because people would say, oh, he's too tall. He's got the goatee. He's got he's bald. You know, he's mm. you know, he's too plain spoken. Now it's OK. Why can't John Fetterman be president? And I, and I think there's a pot that's a positive. But we also have to have people who if they're going to break the glass ceiling, know, know what what they're talking about. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was the biggest problem with Trump. Well, that was among the bigger problems with Trump. There were yeah. many problems with Trump, but he didn't know what he was talking about. And if you, you know, read any of the billion books that came out during his presidency or post-presidency, or you watch legitimate cable news networks, the Republican leaders in the House and Senate hated him. Like they, they, they despised him. They thought he was a moron mm. because members of his cabinet thought he was stupid. Because he yeah. was, but they didn't have the courage to publicly say it. So, you know, you got stuck with this idiot. But to me, it goes just goes back to the point that breaking the glass ceiling is great. Opening up door, previously closed doors, great. But the person has to be qualified. Yeah. And that we have we have a lot of work to do, sort of like rebuilding what that the narrative i guess culturally of like what that means to be qualified for president and i guess like cross the threshold of like the personality type that we would like and yeah there it's it's a mess and i mean i think the it's a mess to borrow a phrase that dan uses all the time on the knowledge fight that there's definitely like a parallel there between you know alex jones and trump in the sense of like how they're so ridiculous and silly that it almost like gives them this like opening to like slip in you know actually i'll i'll ask you like one more sort of substance question related to that but first i just want to let you know that if i ever am gonna do which at some point i'm sure i will do like an episode that involves like sports stuff at all definitely having you on the show if you'd be willing to come on man i'd like to talk to you again sometime this has been a good conversation and i i'm thinking about doing some more like kind of like conversation stuff because i've been doing video essays about political songs 
And I've been thinking it might be fun to start doing more regular episodes where I have people on to like talk about a, a song with a political theme or message that they like a lot. So maybe you could be thinking of that. And if you think of a song you'd like to talk about, maybe we could do this again. That sounds great. Absolutely. So last substance thing I'll ask you about is kind of it's something that I tend to ask about on the show related to the music politics thing. The put this well, OK, I'll, I'll be specific with it, kind of related to what we were just talking about that. I do you think that humor can sort of undercut a message there's a couple of movies i kind of have in mind sort of related to the whole not taking somebody seriously until you do thing is the black klansman which i think is a really good movie <laughs> and the hitler one that taika waititi made what is it you know what i'm talking about the one with the kid yeah what was that called yeah. oh jojo rabbit yes that's really good so yeah i like that one too and i'm i'm so what i'm thinking about is like how and maybe you can kind of use those movies or something else like a touchstone so those obviously have like political messages right sure. um but to what i i would say like in my opinion like black klansman walks the line very well between having too much humor to the point of it like not not being able to take the message seriously and having like not enough to where you're kind of like exalting the subject or something like that. What, how do you, I don't know, do you have, a, that's not really even a question. Do you have like some thoughts, I guess, on how comedy affects like a political message? I think comedy can positively affect a, a, a political message. You know, in, like you said, in Jojo Rabbit and in, in Black Klansman, you know, those characters use humor to take the piss out of, David Duke and, and and out of Hitler, and that's and that and I think that's positive. And and if you look, you know, certainly Knowledge Fight does that with Alex, the late, late night hosts, you know, Colbert, John Oliver, they they did that with Trump. You know, it, it was certainly effective because you know Trump and Alex and all their supporters were every day they were mad because you know John Oliver insulted Trump about something or made a joke about Trump or. Colbert did or whoever, you know. So I think humor can take the piss out of some of these people. But like you said, it, it's a very fine line because you don't want it to be, you know, you don't want it to get to the point where it's just like, oh, well, you know, we're just laughing at this guy and we're not taking what he's, he's saying seriously. Dan and Jordan take what Alex says seriously. That's when you get the idea, get to the point that, okay, this is not normal. This is dangerous. And these these people are, they need to be, covered in a different way and and, and in, in some ways i think maybe even in a more honest way totally agree so do you have any do you have like a i know you said you know you write for various publications but do you have like a personal anything like a blog any kind of like writing that you do like you know your own thing well i mean i i have a blog it's just and it just has links to all of my published writings so it's myfreelancewriting.blogspot.com. It's a terrible URL, but eventually, one of these days, I will eventually create a website with all my stuff on it. You can follow me on Twitter at Dennis Gorman, D-E-N-I-S-G-O-R-M-A-N. You know, you can find me on Facebook, Dennis Gorman. I'm in the Go Home and Tell Your Mother, You're Brilliant Facebook group. I, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty active. So I, it, 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 and, and so feel free to reach out. 
you know, I'm always willing to have a conversation. One more thing. Have you, have you maybe recently written something, published something that you think, you know, the sports interested or maybe sports curious uh, knowledge fight slash, well, not knowledge fight fans, bread sheet fans, much smaller group fans of my show. Any recent things you've written that you think they might find interesting? Yeah. So a few months back, I was covering a Brooklyn Nets practice and it, this was when they, the team had suspended Kyrie Irving for posting the link to the anti-Semitic movie on his Facebook and Twitter. And uh, and so you know this this day this practice, the Nets owner Joe Tsai released through Twitter released a statement saying that he had met with Kyrie Irving. He and his wife had met with Kyrie Irving, and he they and they came to the conclusion they didn't think Kyrie was racist. So you know and. I ended up having to write about that. If you go through the the search engine on on Newsday's website, type in Dennis P. Gorman and just keep scrolling through through until you find it. It's I want to say time November, late November, early December. I, I wrote the story. Okay, where... and I'll also anybody listening right now that'll be in the description of the episode as well. I'll find it and uh, put it in there so you can just click the link. Yeah, and you know, I think in that story, you know, I referenced that Jones, I'm sorry, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving had posted a video prior to the Nets train camp starting. He posted a video on his a twenty year old video on his Instagram of Alex Jones ranting about the New World Order, and so yeah, you know, I had you know was able to you know slip in an Alex Jones reference. I wanted to somehow work a knowledge fight reference in there. I just couldn't come come up with one at that time so that's a failing on my part well if you ever drop any easter eggs you know knowledge fight stuff in any of the articles you publish like you know you should post about it on the on the facebook group yeah i you know let me go back through the through my archive through my through the archives and i will find stories that i've written and if i if there are any alex easter eggs i will for sure share the link Right on. Well, Mr. Gorman, thank you so much for your time today and for your your wise words for agreeing to do this. And I guess we already did the plugs, but once again, follow Dennis Gorman on Twitter at, at Dennis, Dennis Gorman. Gorman. All right, Dennis Gorman. And links to all the stuff will be in the description. Thanks again, Mr. Gorman. I hope you have a wonderful evening and weekend. You too, my friend. It was great doing this. Thanks a lot. Good night. Night. Hope you love those chats as much as I did, you franks. Uh, bye, fam. Uh, see you next time for the return of the amazing Jordan Holmes. YouTube.com slash Haas Bossman. Patreon.com slash Haas underscore Bossman. www.haas.fun, etc. Uh, I am going to play us out with something. I'm going to play us out with... Actually, I'm going to do... I'm going to play the, uh, the rough mix of my cover of Five Iron Frenzy's Giants. Um, so y'all will get a little taste of the song that's gonna be in that video that I've been working on for a million years. It is like almost done. Uh, it's uh, like, it's good. But I think this cover turned out really well. And like I said, it is a rough mix and I think I'm actually gonna re-record the vocals because I started working on this track so long ago that I have since gotten a new, better mic. So here's my cover of Five Iron Frenzy's Giants. Hope you like it, and uh, if you do like it, stay tuned, because there's going to be a video essay about that awesome song coming soon, and it is 
elaborate. Oh, and why not just you know, flood the soul of every sentient being you encounter with healing light? Love ya. Ma. The clouds come rolling in And under darkened skies The buildings grow big teeth and eyes They breathe and walk Through unending doors Eating restaurants and barbershops And hardware stores With catchphrases and jingles Stealing steel and concrete lies The corridors of Babylon Are craning for the skies Who's You cry for the mommies and pops Nothing but dry eyes for integrity's demise Hooking machines grind as whistles blow Corporate Darwinism crushes everything below Advances in efficiency, increasing productivity Are narrowing the margin for liberty Who's behind that curtain anyway? Who pulls the levers and tells the lies? Giants roam the land today Gaining dominance with every stride This world is such a
is technically content. Thank <laughs> you.